are now listening to Cult Cinema Catacombs. These films exist. Twice in the year that we have uh, done a movie that deals with Repo Men. Yeah, yeah, we we'll do that. Uh, you and McGregor, Forrest Whitaker one next, <laughs> which was an okay movie. It had um, uh, was it Method Man or the RZA? I think it was the RZA was in it. Um, future uh, Max Headroom uh, style like um artificial organs but if you don't pay for them they come take them out of you like that type of thing mm-hmm. uh, i enjoyed it i'm just saying we can watch a third we can watch a third repo man movie <laughs> i was watching happy death day though uh which i did watch happy death day and happy death day 2 for oh you finally saw them i finally okay. watched them they are fantastic but uh our 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 main <coughs> not our protagonist but the protagonist's love interest has um, a Repo Man poster on the wall of yes. his dorm room, and I could not look at it. I was like, I'm, I can't not look at this Repo Man poster every time they show it. Every time she would die and wake up, there'd be a Repo Man poster <laughs> staring at me. I, I am sad that we're probably not going to get the third one that was hinted to in the mid credit sequence for Happy Death Day. But at the same time, I'm happy that we got the, the two films that we did from Landon, because it, I mean... I fell in love with the character Tree so much. She's such a yeah. fun character. The part that made me laugh the hardest, I, I think it was in part two, when she realized she's back in the loop, and she uh, confronts the guy that she dated once who's gay, and she just is like, you are gay, and just yeah. walking away. <laughs> I do want to say this. After watching, um, um, what was the other one that we just watched? Um, the one that was on... Um, the one was it on Peacock too? The one about the time traveling, the time traveling slasher movie. Oh, uh, that was on Amazon Prime. That totally was killer. Uh, totally killer. Yeah. Between that and these two movies, guys, the time has come. Stop casting thirty-year-olds as high school students or like yeah, yeah. college students, especially especially in four K. Let's not. We gotta we gotta do better at this point because <laughs> it is painfully obvious. Sabrina the Teenage Witch is twenty-eight <laughs> years old now. You cannot. She, <laughs> She's going to be a teenager. She's not a junior in high school anymore. Um, It's not like she's Michael J. Fox and can play a teenager until she's 40. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The only and I was watching I rewatched the babysitter movies, babysitter and babysitter, killer queen. The um, Mm -hmm. because I fucking love those. By the way, shout out because I just watched as I, I started to send you the code. I just watched Ready or Not again. Oh, such a fun movie. Shout out to Samara Weaving for being the unsung um, final girl scream queen that we all just like bring her up. Next mm-hmm. generation. Let's go. She was in Scream. She was in both of those babysitter movies and absolutely slaps in those movies. She was in Ready or Not, did a 
fantastic Jamie Lee Curtis level performance of just being incensed about the shit that was going on around her. Uh, <laughs> it's time. Bring Samara Weaving up. Make her the star. Let's go. She's ready. I think, I think what, uh, one of the things I really loved about um, Ready or Not was just how absolutely satisfying that ending was. Oh my God. Because, I mean, they, I mean, the movie is just all over the place bonkers. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how the hell are they going to end this? And when they <laughs> when they ended it the way they did, I was like, holy shit, it went there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, I don't, don't spoil it. I, it's an uns, it's a movie I don't feel like a lot of people saw. And I, think I mean, it's weird should. because I because I mean, yeah, I think it is an underappreciated and underrated movie. I mean, it get it got you know the two guys the the scream gig for scream six and scream i mean scream five and scream six right and it did make about like i think 60 million dollars in the box office but not a lot of people talk about it anymore and that's kind of a shame because i ready or not is such a fun horror film yeah in the it, it it deserves a lot of respect and a lot more eyes in the aftermarket than i think it's getting i don't see it talked about ever no like online when we're talking about horror movies so Listen, jackasses, go watch Ready or Not. It is it is an hour and a half, and it is from about Jump Street to the credits. It is a wild-ass ride. Mm-hmm. And they fold everything in. You're going to get a bit of everything in this movie. Yeah, it's fun. And it's hilarious. It's yeah. It is the funniest. I, I will say this. Um, I can't remember her name. She is Canadian. I wish for the life of me I could remember it. She played... Uh, she plays Winona Earp in that show that was on Sci-Fi Channel. She um, is in Letter Kenny, um, but she plays um, the wife, the coked-up wife in um, Ready or Not. You know what I'm talking about? The, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and God, what's her name? Um, somebody. We're gonna have to look it up because. It's, but she, that role. Mel- for her, Mel- Melanie Scafano. Yeah, that role for her is. There's never been anybody who can do it better than that. Because if you well, watch Letterkenny, she's drunk all the time. Like that's her character is just a drunk person. And she just plays that so well. Everybody plays their part so damn well in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's great. Well, I mean, the, anyway. woman who, the woman who played the aunt. the other. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Aunt, to me, stole the film. I mean, she just so nanners. And the fact that they had to like look up a video on how to use a cross uh, the, the how to use a crossbow are, moment just had me laughing so hard when that yeah, when that bit came up there are so many great bits that they really really lean into and really do a great job with um a, the weight the 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 staff of the house um i'm not going <laughs> to tell you what but that is probably one of my favorite things in any movie in the last 20 years just so good the movie's so good. I, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, Repo. We're talking about Repo. Yeah. Well, real quick, I just want to say that, I mean, going back to uh, Happy Death Day and plus also with what he did with Freaky, I'm really excited to see what Landon does with Scream 7. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm really excited to see what he does, especially since they are, like Terrifier 3, setting Scream 7 at Christmas time. Uh, which seems to be the new trend now for slashers again. Uh, we got S- Scream 7 set at Christmas. Terrifier 3 is set at Christmas. Uh, what's the next movie that's going to be <laughs> horror right. slasher that's going to be set at Christmas? Let's right. see what happens. Yeah. 
they, they realize that people want those movies. Well, like, yeah, Violent, Violent Night was such a huge hit. Yeah. So. And, and, and uh, Christmas Bloody, what, what, was it Christmas Bloody Christmas? Was that the name of it with the animatronic? Yes. Like there's last year we had four or five that solid. Was a, that was a runaway hit. Of course, Krampus, when it came out, was a hit. Yeah. So it's time. I, yeah. I, I think it's that it's it's where yeah they they're like oh yeah yeah we got to do this we got to make uh we got to make christmas horror movies now that's what everybody wants mm-hmm. and that's fine i i mean we had all the summer 10 15 years ago we had all the summer horror movies you know we had all the i know what the, the urban legends and the i know what you did last summers and all of the that shit so now let's get into christmas exactly I'm ready for it. I'm also ready to talk about Repo because it's been a long time since I actually talked about this movie. Yeah, we're doing a true cult film on this show. I I guess guess we could say a palate cleanser cult film. I mean, the reason I chose this is because this year it does turn 15 years old, uh, the film. Uh, And I mean, when so do I. (laughs) This this is probably the closest we ever got to repeating the Rocky Horror Picture Show outside yep. of the room. Because uh, Repo the Genetic Opera, when the film first came out, I mean, it had a following when it was just a stage show. And so Lionsgate took the chance and went up to Daryl and Boozman and was like, hey, let's, you know, let's let's take this musical that Terrence Zinich has made and let's turn it into a movie. And yeah. it bombed. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, the movie only cost $8.5 million to make, which honestly looks like it costs more, but that's just a, a a testament to the production value of the movie. But when the movie was released in the box office, it only made $188,126. Mm-hmm. It was such a huge bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was only released on seven screens in the nation, Pasadena, Chicago. Really? Yeah, Pasadena, Chicago, Mobile, Charlotte, Kansas City, Ottawa, and Toronto. That's it. I, Lionsgate treated this movie like shit after it was shown at the Fantasia Film Festival in July 2008. Fortunately, because of the word of mouth that came from the Fantasia Film Festival when this movie was shown, when... Repo was finally dumped on home video un- unglamorously, much like what happened with the movie Trick or Treat. People saw the film and was like, holy shit, this movie's nanners. Why wasn't this a bigger hit? And then the next thing you know, it starts playing at midnight screenings mm-hmm. across the United States. And then we start getting shadow casts. Yep. With Repo the Genetic Opera, the same exact way we got with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and the rest is history with this movie. And I'm honestly with not only just the production value behind this movie, but the fucking cast that this film has. Yeah, Tony Head alone, man. I mean, you you got that. You've got Sarah Brightman. You got Paul Sor Paul fucking Sorvino. Paul Sorvino. I, uh, Bill Mosley. Uh, yep. Paris Hilton in the surprisingly damn good role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden you've got Alexa Vega, who we hadn't seen since Spy Kids popping up right. out of nowhere. Um, and then if that wasn't enough, it's like, you know what? We're going to throw in a cameo from Joan Jett also. 
I just I the music is I mean, the music is so good the the plot is so outrageous that it works um and you know you just you look at Anthony Head and you're like is this what's going on in his mind when he's with <laughs> Buffy and everybody else like, you know this is what I want to be doing <laughs> like, it's fine that I'm doing this I'll never have to work ever 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 again yeah. it's fine you know then, he, he called Jensen Eccles one day and said yeah, don't quit keep going man you'll never how many yachts do you want because you can have the yachts and then in his head he's like i want to put on this pleather suit (laughs) and this black lipstick and repossess some body parts and repossess and sing about it god damn it why won't they let me oh i can do it okay cool let me call joan jet and then if that's not enough we also get bill fucking mosley um And I think one of Chopper. the one of the Chopper. best char- one of the best characters he's ever played in this film. And this is the movie that introduced me to Ogre. I didn't know anything about this guy whatsoever. Um, oh, a musician? Uh, yeah, until yeah. I saw this movie. And I Pavi is such a creepy ass character. I I just fell in love with with him instantly. And Ogre I, is a creepy ass dude. I've had I've had time to have been in the same kind of vicinity as ogre mm-hmm. he's creepy just being ogre let alone <laughs> like he is that he is personified <laughs> just saying he's a nice enough guy just impose let's he has an aura he is imposing let's put it that way well when you when you play a man who gets a blow job while having someone else's face stapled to your own face i mean right you kind of are a little odd, yeah. I mean, but then again, that's just from just incredible imagination. I mean, um, I, 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 have you ever watched any of the other ones that he did, like The Devil's Carnival and Hallelujah? No, no, I didn't. Oh my God, um, Devil's Carnival is only like about fifty-five minutes long, but Hallelujah is just just this giant full-length movie. Uh, oh god they're so good too um devil's carnival especially is just phenomenal uh but yeah this man's imagination is something else i mean this um, uh, and and what's kind of scary is especially 15 years later seeing where we've come as a society i really don't see this idea of being that outrageous anymore no i really don't and that's terrifying it's absolutely right. terrifying that you know I, I could honestly see some guy creating this company and going you know what we'll, we'll create these body parts that you need but you're gonna lease them yep yep <laughs> i totally see this i mean it's a it, it's a good idea this is very well ex- – I, I say very well executed in quotes, right? Because we know how it's executed in the movie. But also, like I was saying at the top, you had you know, a bunch of – once this movie came out and didn't do well and then got popular in the sense of you know people were – it became a cult phenomenon. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff came out after that aping what it did. Oh yeah, like, definitely. Like the repo, like the other, like the other repo men movie that I was just talking about at the top of the movie with Warwick Whitaker and Ewan McGregor. Like that is exactly the same thing, just it's 
sci-fi. It's shined mm-hmm. up. It's got a lot of lens flares. Um, you know, there have been episodes of like Black Mirror that are close. There have been episodes of other TV shows. Like people ran with it because it's not that far out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's a great concept. It's a very great concept. It really is. And yeah, I wouldn't put it against corporate America. No. From doing something like this. Yeah. I I hope we don't get to the point where, you know, we have to have people to suck out and bombing juice out of people so that way we have painkillers. (laughs) Like that, people like Paris Hilton get injected into her vagina or something like that. I mean, but um, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a terrifying concept. But of course, here here it's it's done with such a over the top Grand Guillaume style mm-hmm. uh, that it, you know it makes it a, an absolute fun blast. And I will say this movie is definitely not for everybody because it's no. so graphically violent. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, when was the first time you ever saw Repo? Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it was probably, I was, it was probably shortly after it was released on home video. I think it was at, so there was a club in, in Dayton called 1470 West. Um, it was a goth industrial slash gay club. And, um, Now, now, or at least it was called Mask. It was a pretty big deal up here, um, but they used to show video, like like movies, at the club. And I think the first time I saw it was at the club. I think that's the first time I actually saw the movie. Um, and then I saw it a couple more times, repertory kind of midnight theater style. But it hasn't been. I haven't seen it probably in seven or eight years, except for the occasional shadow cast that I could that I could catch at All Con or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, all Con was the first time I saw it with um, with uh, Amber Dallas, and I was mes- mesmerized by what was going on. I mean, not only just with the shadow cast, but just with the movie, and it made me buy the movie instantly. Um, I, I I I just now finally got a physical copy, but I bought it on Vudu. And I went and watched it without the shadow cast, and I was just slack-jawed at everything that was going on. And at the same time, I was thinking, oh, my God, how did they convince Sarah Brightman to play a role like this? It's stuff <laughs> like that, you know? Uh, hey, theater kids are wild, man. You know Sarah Brightman was a, a goth kid at some point, <laughs> listening to The Cure writing a live journal somewhere at some point. Oh, and because of the existence of this movie in the Harry Potter franchise, I do I I, I do have a, a question. Who do you think would survive in a staring contest? <laughs> would it be uh, Bellatrix Lestrange or would it be Blind Mag? Probably Bellatrix, but only because I think that Tim Burton's main source of um, entertainment is just to stare blindly into the void at someone. So I think she's probably got a lot more experience, um, you know, just with that in real life. Like she can draw from that and bring it to it. So I remember the first time I saw her character movie, I was like, Oh my God, her face is 30% eyes. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the human anime character. Yes. 
And you know, then, you know, after seeing the Harry Potter movies, I was like, God, I'm going to see the two of them have a staring contest right now just to see who goes <laughs> down. All right, let's watch this movie. I'm excited uh, to watch well, it. Yes. And as a special treat for the listeners out there, uh, in between the uh, us, you know, this segment and then us critiquing and revisiting Repo, I'm bringing in some members from Amber Does Dallas uh, awesome. to reunite. I they uh, to talk about their experiences of doing this as a shadow cast and what made them decide to start doing the shadow cast and all that stuff. So this is a special episode. Um, Great, we have two double length episodes. This one, then we got this one, and then, of course, we already know the one with Courtney is going to be double length. So yeah, just because, just because uh, it's us. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be right back with the interview with the Shadow Cast, and then after that, we'll be back with our thoughts on uh, Repo fifteen years later. Yeah. gang thank you very much for returning uh from the break and now we have a little special treat for everybody out there before we get to our discussion on the film itself um i have a little panel of people here who were part of a shadow cast for repo the genetic opera uh these were cast members of amber does dallas in dallas texas and i thought it would be fun to bring them on to talk about that element of the 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 the, the cult following behind uh this film and I thank you guys very much for agreeing to do this here. Of um, course. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. You got it. First and foremost, I'll, I'll introduce everybody one at a time here. First and foremost, we have Amanda. Well, hello. Uh, I was part of Amber Does Dallas for just over 10 years, believe it or not. Wow. And uh, did repo that whole time. Nice. Which characters did you play? I mean, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, my, I played a lot of the side characters and, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, henchies and, and the Z addicts, but, uh, I played a lot of Roddy Largo and I did Blind Mag a few times. Sweet. All right. Up next, we have Halo. Heyo. Yo. So, uh, when you, you're with your time with, uh, Repo and you were doing the, the Shadowcast, which characters did you play? Well, uh, we were actually part of the first two groups that smashed ourselves together to make the first cast. 
Uh, and so I was the first Amber with like the face falling off and everything, nice. which was a pain in the butt, but it was cool. And then uh, later on, I got to play Pavi with multiple face mask changes and Nathan. And then also, I totally forgot to tell you this before, but um, Ogre from Skinny Puppy, you know, who played uh, Pavi, mm-hmm. I actually saw him uh, when we were doing some performances at like one of the Frightmares like a long time ago or something like that. Or we were there to promote. And he said, wait, are you the pink haired Pavi in Texas? And I said, you've heard about me? And he said, yes. And I was like, he said that to hit in his opinion, all the best Pavis are usually bisexual female. <laughs> 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 and he says, and I consider that to be an honor. And I was like, nice. Sounds so much like Ogre. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Up next, we have Drewski. Hey, hey, how's it going, y'all? Going good. And during your time with Amber Does Dallas, which characters did you play? Well, first starting off, I did a lot of the side characters in the show. Uh, the main character I usually played was Roddy. I was the, the second official Roddy of Amber Does Dallas. And I played I played Luigi a couple of times. I did uh, Blind Mag in the drag show several times as well, too. <laughs> and just a smattering of other characters as well, too. All right. Yeah, I remember actually seeing you as Blind Mag and Drag. I was there <laughs> for that one. So I, uh, I, w- that. I was I was the worst drag queen ever. <laughs> Didn't uh, shave, so kept beard the entire time. Oh, those <laughs> drag shows were so much fun, though. They were. Oh, they were. They were. Absolute blast. All right. And next up, we have Wade. Hey, guys. And and during your time, who did you all play uh, there with Am- on Amber Does Dallas? Uh, with the repo side, I was uh, a lot of the uh, side characters like the Z addicts. Uh, I played the eunuch or uh, Amber's sweet bodyguard a handful of times. Uh, <laughs> I got to do Roddy Largo. Uh, that was uh, my core piece. And uh, during the, uh, we just already brought it up, during the drag shows, I was a what we called man turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are so yeah, cute, though. Oh, I loved it. I st- actually, I still have the platform nurse shoes in my garage. Oh, awesome! <laughs> oh my god. Sadly, my feet grew a size during COVID, so I can't wear them anymore. Oh, oh. Yeah, as long as something else is growing too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> And finally, we have Matt, a.k.a. Starman. How you all doing? Doing good. And what was your role with Amber Does Dallas? Well, I really didn't act that much. Uh, I played one of the bodyguard eunuchs during one of the theme shows where I was the silent Bob of a Jay and Silent Bob that were following Amber around. <laughs> I remember <laughs> And I was the conductor leading the uh, gin turns down the aisle during everybody, everybody uh, at one point. But for the most part, uh, I was the group riffer. I was the guy standing out in the aisle trying to think of the funny callbacks and shouting stuff out and leading the audience and singing along, shouting where appropriate. Yeah, I got to say, when I recently rewatched this for the show, I was actually hearing some of the riffs in my head and it's like it's i i it made me realize that like rocky horror picture show i've been pavlov dogged with repo the genetic opera because mm-hmm. i was like i heard in my head say that to buffy and also uh-huh. 
you know, wanting to applaud when Amber says she's never going to sing again. So I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's been programmed into my brain. I can't watch either Repo or Rocky without callbacks going through my head anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not, not going to lie. I recently watched uh, Rocky Horror for, again for the first time in years recently. And my girlfriend basically sat me down. She's like, we're watching this. I want you to remember every callback line you can remember. <laughs> and we're doing it properly. I'm like, yes, ma'am, whatever you say. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> First, you need a pack, you know, with toilet paper. And yes. Actually, that particular Rocky Horror cast that I was on with y'all was the fourth or fifth Rocky Horror cast that I had been on in two different states. Because I've been doing Rocky Horror since I was 16, technically. Wow. Yeah, I'm first. The first show I attended for Amber Does Dallas was the first double feature at the Lakewood, and I joined literally that that weekend. Oh, my God. That show was nuts. (laughs) See, you all are responsible for me seeing Repo for the very first time, because the very first time I ever saw Repo was the year that you guys – I can't remember what year it was, but you performed it at AllCon. and. Oh, man. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, it's finally time to watch this movie. I've heard so much about it. It's finally time to watch it. And I was like, let me see how it is with the shadow cast. Instantly fell in love with the whole thing. Not only just the ridiculousness of the movie itself, but the whole element of the shadow cast. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, this works just like how Rocky Horror does. Um so what I want to know is what was basically the origins of Amber Does Dallas? When was it that you made it made you guys realize that this quirky movie that basically failed in the box office could be the next Rocky Horror? Uh-huh. Hey, Halo, you field this one. You're the you were the longest uh, reigning cast member at least. Well, me and earlier. me and Matt are true, true, true. Um. I would say that it actually initially came from uh, we were all on another uh, Rocky Horror cast and we kept on doing like repo stuff just because I don't know it was fun and then uh, yeah there just... there were a few pre shows where they did yeah. numbers from repo and yeah you know people really liked it we were like well why don't we do this too so, because I mean after you've been doing like Rocky Horror for like you know over a decade or so you're like oh well, we do some other stuff with it too you know why not <laughs> mm-hmm. and then um, I don't know it just got really popular and then we got the lakewood and we're like well i mean (laughs) i mean that was like one of the most memorable things in my entire life is being able to perform in that absolutely scintillatingly fabulous theater Mm -hmm. amazing place i I miss the lakewood so much lakewood what, what cracks me up about the lakewood also is it seemed like at least from my point of view it was always one of three things happening at Lakewood. It was either Amber Does Dallas, and if it wasn't Amber Does Dallas, then it was a burlesque show. And yep. if it wasn't either one of those, it was the Polyphonic Spree. Oh, so, yes! So it was just like there's this odd trip, the triple play going on at that. I don't theater. know, man. It breaks my heart that it's a bowling alley now. Yeah. Uh. Is it oh, really? Yeah. Now we got yeah. to bring a Lebowski fest over there just because. <laughs> I just couldn't even like look because I was like, I don't want to see. I took part in the making it like a historic landmark um, with the with the Dallas City 
council. And uh, when I tell you, like, the amount of people that came out to support the Lakewood becoming a historic landmark and not just another storefront in that shopping center, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Like, this room is packed full. There were celebrities there. Um, and the only people who spoke against making it a landmark was the owner and, like, the guy who owned the balcony, the guy who ran the balcony club. And I'm pretty sure he got bullied into it because he, he was not comfortable. Yeah, he was not. The balcony <laughs> club was weird. Yeah, there was I totally. weird vibes going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally missed the, the, the Lakewood days. It was, it was a great venue to do. I mean, just, I mean, like even the double features when you guys would do Rocky Horror on top of repo it was just a great theater to do it because you had that amazing stage to just perform on and i just yeah i it just we had full sets and everything we had like for rocky horror specifically we had one of the we actually had a tank that filled up that looked like it was filling up with like the different rainbow colors of like Mm -hmm. water and stuff like that i mean that's not to mention the we had light upstairs the lift for uh, that scene for Rocky as he gets lifted out of the tank. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That got yeah. that got put in the documentary and they showed it at a at a RKO con and people went nuts over it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, even during yeah. like 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 during the blind mag moment when you know she rips out her eyeballs. I mean, you had mm-hmm. snow machines going on in the theater. I wanted I, to make it accurate. Uh, <laughs> I when that happened, the first time I saw it in the Lakewood, and when that happened during that sequence, I just was cracking up and got giddy because I'm like, "Oh my God, it's it's actually snowing in here for the scene." We yeah, took exactly. it for shadow cast. We took it really seriously, like the kind of show we put on. It was a very we professional really show. We wanted to make it immersive. Yeah, we were also really we, fortunate that the people yeah. running it actually were so into it with us because there'd have been a lot of places that sounds like work. Don't do that. They're Absolutely, like, that sounds awesome. But you yeah, know, yeah, we it, we're like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's make it happen. But even the even the folks behind the scenes as well too, our our director and our tech people as well too. God bless them. They really made sure we went above and beyond to look visually as pleasing as possible. So I mean, like, it wasn't for their eyesight like percent Oh, easily. <laughs> and we we do have to mention the amazing amount of support that we got from Terrence Zdunich uh, himself. Oh yeah, I was, yes. that was actually going to be my next question when when he came to ga- give his blessing. Because uh, I remember being there and I was shocked that he was there, you know, live in person. But when he came to give you the blessing, what was the overall vibe from everybody when he's like, it was the most. It was the most nerve-wracking show for everybody. I remember everybody just being so, like, for lack of a better term, anal-retentive about their costumes, their part. And he was so chill and down-to-earth because that wasn't the first time he tried to come see us. He was at a con before that, and he tried to come see us. And um, he kind of got chased away because people were hounding him. Um, not on our cast, like audience members no. were hounding him. Um, and so we invited him out to come see one of our shows and we set him up in a space where he could have some like distance and just enjoy the show. And it was just amazing. He's such a chill dude. Um, it was so good. Nice. So I need to know, cause there's just <laughs> some of the ideas to let the, the, the listeners know for the, who are familiar with the movie, the prop pack oh, 
that oh. you all came up with. I mean, some of the props I understand, like you know the the bug when she's collecting the bug and everything. Whose idea was it for the tampon? Uh, <laughs> oh God. I don't want to say it was me, but I want to say that sounds like something that was me. <laughs> I'm not trying to be at that. I'm like, oh, it's like the Halo in their 20s. Oh, no, that sounds, yeah. Because I, I did used to draw vampire tampons quite a bit. Because <laughs> I will admit, when I when I watched it for the first time and I got the prop pack and I'm looking at it, and that was the thing that immediately stood out. And I was just like, what the fuck? fuck is with the tampon okay well because in carrie they throw tampons on her when she bleeds everywhere right so when blind mag and everybody's like all spilling their guts everywhere just throw it on there it'll help clean up the stage well the scene where when when she wakes up in the pool of blood uh, <laughs> and everybody's uh, shouting plug it up and throwing tampons yes, i was like now it makes sense. oh my god now, i want to say that that whole line and idea was matt so like, I the idea, like yeah that right there the i i do i don't remember that one i do remember making a joke about goth girl blood wrestling it'll be the latest craze in like this 30s you know like, yeah goth girl blood wrestling it'll be the latest craze i tell you i gotta eat it up like you know <laughs> like you do so i'm gonna so i'm gonna go along to each one of you here and i'm going to i'll start with amanda i want to ask with everything that went on in the live shows and everything, what was the most what-the-fuck moment that you could remember with shadow casting? Let's start with Amanda. Oh, gosh. Um, I got... I was really surprised. It was one of the early female Roddies. I don't remember who started it, but because the song Gold is just, like, such a slow moment just in the middle of the movie... Mm-hmm. Um, they turned it into a burlesque striptease. It was Emily. <laughs> it was Emily. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Why couldn't this happen when I was playing Roddy? What <laughs> 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 a burlesque striptease while I'm doing the damn slow song. Shit. Worked when I was playing Krimi. <laughs> hey, I did. I did a few burlesque stripteases as Krimi throughout my time as Krimi. It's kind of a given. Yeah, because I mean that is I mean if there is a moment from Repo that is kind of like the the slow down moment, it is definitely uh that one. So the the fact that it's turned into a burlesque number works it works perfectly. It, it definitely serves to get the audience like geared back up. Because it is such a weird point in the movie. Like, I get why he's going through, like, this song, but also at the same time, everything had been ramping up to that moment. And then he's like, by the way, let me sing about some money. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, they made him sing, and then they were like, you know what, if we're going to get in trouble, you know, we're probably going to have to, you know, just put it in, just put it in, just put it in. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Halo? What was, um, in your time there, the most what-the-fuck moment that you could recall? Uh, jeez. Uh, we. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff. Like we, uh, we've we've filmed the calendar. Um, <gasps> we've done all oh, kinds of yeah. fundraisers. <laughs> um, I do believe we did a car wash, but it was all the guys wearing like bikinis, like the Rocky <laughs> bikinis. I think. I remember like that. that. I know I didn't do it. And um, uh, oh, 
like one of my favorite times because we used to do like theme shows and uh, we did like a horror theme show and like I was Nathan and you could choose to be different characters uh, throughout the show as your character. So I was like, you know, at one point I was like a tentacle hentai monster and my friend was a schoolgirl. Go wherever that you will with that. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, I was playing a bunch of different things. But my favorite one was when I was Sweeney Todd and I rehearsed that part a million times. It's so good. <laughs> it's my favorite musical of all time. And I have this part where I'm supposed to like, like slap close my uh, razor blades and then slap them open again. And then bam, just that one performance, they would not slap like open again. Of course, everybody laughed at me and I just did a jig off the thing. I was like, doo, 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 doo. so yeah, Ashley <laughs> Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and on those horror theme shows, we'd have the gents. Uh, I don't know if you were still on cast at this point, Halo, but um, we had a horror theme show and the gen turns were Silent Hill nurses. That was the same show. That was it. Oh, they had to borrow half the costumes yeah, from me because I already had Silent Hill costumes <laughs> from like a number that we did at Rocky Horror years before at Akon. <laughs> People are like, oh, why don't we just do this? And like half of us on the cast already have a costume for it. <laughs> How about you, Dr- Drewski? What's the most what the fuck moment you can remember from being cast member? Um, the night of the acapella opera when those power went out oh. during the first drag show. Yeah, that happened a couple of times because I remember one time uh, Nako had to do it acapella too mm. when she was playing by Mag. <laughs> that, that's what happened with me during the drag show. It was right there during the very last part of the uh, of of Chromagia, and sure enough, like the power goes out for like ten seconds, an emergency spotlight hits me right on stage. Oh God! And all of a sudden, I've got I've got I've got Moogle down on the floor going, Drew, you can sing, just sing the part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kinda like, all right, come take these eyes. And we just did the whole rest of the show acapella. Like, like all the, the cast members went on the front row. We're literally just acapelling out the entire rest of the movie to keep oh, it going so until the power went out right at the very right quick came back on right at the very end of the film. Oh Luckily, half of us actually can sing because we were in musical theater or whatever before, so it helps. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Wade? What's what's the most what-the-fuck moment you can remember, Shadowcast? Uh, this is a little... I've, I've got a few. I just I don't know if necessarily if any of them are full on what-the-fucks, but uh, similar to the one Drew was just talking about, uh, I remember uh, one of the first shows I did when we were doing cons uh, with uh, at YuleCon. Mm. one uh holiday season yes. and similar happened the audio just quit working so all we had was video uh <laughs> and i just i just basically i just was doing the whole movie from the side as the movie went on and like people and a handful of us would be jumping and singing the songs and doing the lines as it went almost you know basically we were the speakers for the whole movie so there was that like you were the soundtrack. Yeah, I, mean, I was. I was very too. proud. Sadly, Drew wasn't there, but I, I feel I, I was pretty proud of my Roddy that night. Uh, you should all be proud for helping each other out because that's awesome. Yeah. It takes that a, was, you know, it uh, takes the whole team. Yeah, come to think of it, we repo had, night. Oh. Go ahead. I was, just, I was just saying we had quite a few power outages because I remember that happened too when we were doing um, Amber Deville's birthday party at the church too. Oh yes. yeah! Oh my god. Uh, Oh, I was a go-go dancer for that. Oh my yes. god! Yeah, I was. I was there for that too. I remember that actually. Holy 
uh, but yeah, the, the, probably my other favorite. It wasn't a repo thing; it was a Rocky thing. But it was one of my, I believe, it was one of my last guest performances as Krimi after I had to leave cast. Um, I'd gotten my hands on this uh, pump action squirt shotgun. It's one of those ones that, like, the harder you pull back, the stronger the water goes. Mm-hmm. And so during there's a light, I asked me, I just sat on the desk, put the shotgun between my legs, and was just pumping rain all over the audience. Oh, my God. <laughs> pumping rain, pumping rain. Dang it! <laughs> skeet skeet all over the audience. Oh, it was great. I was just, I was just having a joke. Just ah. Uh... <laughs> hey, what about that one time? Like my, I think it was my last time when I had to retire, and uh, we had Randy Milholland uh, from Something Positive, and now he draws Popeye comics. He was actually played criminologist for like my last show. I just remember that. That was really. Cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because wow. he was really had... well known, but now he's like really well known. Mm-hmm. He made Popeye about... woke. He did. <laughs> he did. He's so good. Actually, actually, Halo's the reason I know I knew, I found out about Amber Does Dallas because I was at a Pride Parade one year, and this pink-haired girl comes skipping up to me with a flyer and is like, "Have you ever heard of Rocky Horror?" And I'm like, "Of course I've heard of Rocky Horror." And she just shoves this flyer at me like, "We have a show next weekend." And I'm like, "I'll be there." That's so awesome. I'm glad you can't see right now. I'm just red. <laughs> just red and pink. <laughs> And how about you, Starman? What are some what-the-fuck moments you remember from doing Shadowcast? Well, I, I have a couple that came to mind just now. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember the Amber DeVille birthday party at the church for mm-hmm. two different reasons. One being that I wound up also taking the role of a curtain holder because we did not have access to the dressing rooms at the church. Oh, right. So I, I wound up having to stand up on the left side of the stage of, and this was the old church back at the Lizard Lounge. For those for those of you Dallas folk who know the current church and you know the building it used to be in, you know there used to be the little stage, and then there was the VIP balcony area. We we had a little bit of the balcony and the VIP area, but no curtains. So I was stuck standing there just trying to basically hold my trench coat up and be a privacy screen for Amber during one of her many changes. I think it was Nako playing her that night. I think you're right. Oh my you God. Know, with, with me just facing out toward the audience and just, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, while she's trying to change behind me without showing anything. And the other thing I remember about that night was some loud drunk guy on the balcony afterward Talking about, yeah, it was a great show, but there's some jackass who wouldn't shut up the whole time. Some voice in the back. <laughs> the amount of times I heard that, I'm like, have you never been to a Rocky show? Because, like, that's part of it. <laughs> I, I took it back, though, because I just put the voice in the back down as one of my many job titles after that. <laughs> <laughs> The, the other one that I was thinking about before the Amber DeVille show got brought up was uh, we were performing Repo and Rocky at Akon one year, and I just remember it being kind of a disaster for me personally because uh, we were doing a pre-show where we decided to lip-sync Metalocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was press ganged into being murder face. <laughs> because I because I had the hair for it. Yeah. But I really don't like having my beard. Well, I'm I'm clean shaven now, but I had a goatee at the time. And I really was uncomfortable with trimming it down to a mustache because of my hair. I looked more like Ron Jeremy than Murderface. <laughs> <laughs> and so I literally just trimmed my beard in the bathroom at the convention. And then after that skit, I just shaved, you know, everything after that. So I would not have the mustache for more than that one skit. <laughs> and just having that weird thing of very hurriedly between that and then before the start of the show trying to shave in the bathroom because I did not want to have that mustache any longer than I had to. <laughs> you didn't want to be mistaken for a Ron Jeremy cosplayer. At Akon, that was a very distinct possibility back then. <laughs> yeah. He's right. He's not wrong. There's He's no lies and detected the place there. Was a and, it, and it didn't oh. occur to me until after the fact, you know, you could have just shaven and put on a fake mustache. <laughs> Where's the fun after in that? All the, after the all the effort I went through, yeah, all the effort and I went through to time this and plan this and get this done, and I could have just worn a fake mustache and nobody would have noticed or cared. Yeah. I also remember that whole skit being a fiasco because I forget who, I think it was Draco had this vision for planning it out and how we would do all this and all the dialogue and how everybody should have you know their lines planned out. And I was just of the attitude, guys, they're not going to be able to hear us over the music anyway. Does it really yeah. matter what we're shouting? No. Nope. <laughs> Best uh, of intentions. Yes. So can you believe that this movie's 15 years old already? No. Oh, no. my gosh. Yeah. I feel Seven old. Of I don't, I don't want to think that I'm 15 years older now since this movie came out either. <laughs> okay, same. I know. My body I, definitely feels 15 older, 15 years older. Like, preach. Yeah. Oh, yes. Preach. Well, I do want to thank uh, all of y'all for uh, joining me on this episode and for celebrating the, the 15th anniversary of the legacy of this little film that definitely, I think, is the, the true successor to the Rocky Horror Picture Show because of how... I mean, not only with you, but other shadow casts across the entire nation that organically just brought this little film that Lionsgate tried to flush down the toilet <laughs> and oh, created this huge Lionsgate. cult following. Yeah, created this gigantic cult following. And so, um, again, thanks for this little trip on memory lane and then for joining me on the show. Thank oh, you very thank much you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. Thank you thanks. for having thank us. You. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, as, 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 well, as well, as well, too, for for a lot of us as well, too. We also, you know, uh, is with you, Roy. Thank you very much for your friendship as well, too. Us getting to meet you through those time frames of doing the shadow cast in Dallas. Thank you, Roy. Yeah, you thank speak you. for all of us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, we will be right back, folks, and uh, be back with my co-host, and we will discuss. Well, it's like watching the movie again for the first time in a long time there. So, all right, we'll be right back. By the middle of the 21st century, organ failure had become a worldwide epidemic. But Geneco was there to satisfie the demand for organ replacements. Enjoy Gene Co's day and 
The problem is, if you miss a payment, Jinko sends out the Repo Man. And when he finds you, your time is up. Collect on the Handelman account at once. His payment is past due. Everybody, everybody! How long has it been since you watched Rico? It's been a while. Um, you know, in the past, I think I only like seriously watched it probably once where I sat down and actually watched it. All the other times I've watched it, it's either been a bar- broadcast on the wall of a club I was at <laughs> or was at a party. So, you know, th- I had a few realizations actually sitting down and watching this that were um, – insulting i i to myself <laughs> and you know kind of kind of eye-opening um of course you know i love this movie i always mm-hmm. have it's just one of those movies that you absolutely adore um i love but, what you texted to me about what Lacey said when you said that you were gonna watch repo so, oh yeah no, about there, damn time by the way there are there are two the same crew of people have made another movie and a sequel to that movie Mm-hmm. Um, God, what was it called? Devil's Something Carnival. carnival. And yeah, Carnival and Hallelujah. Yeah. So now yeah. I'm roped into watching those. So oh, just so you're gonna you know. love those. Oh, they're so much fun. So I'm roped into watching those now. Um, 
but yeah, I, I love this movie. Um, I do have an admission of guilt okay. that I need to, I need to make public. I have a public shaming of myself that I need to, that I need to put out into the world. So I went to school for music, for vocal mm-hmm. performance, um, for like five years. I went to, I went to college for vocal performance. Also, was a huge um, goth industrial kid. Like mm-hmm. the club that I went to was like the club in the Ohio, maybe the Midwest <laughs> for goth industrial. Um, gay club downstairs, goth industrial upstairs. A lot of mixing, a lot of lot of crossover appeal um, there. But um, this is very LCC punk. All of a sudden, I, I mean. It, I mean that there's reasons that those movies resonate with me. Um, you know, I would spend <laughs> three to four nights a week at this club. <laughs> um, so this you know, movie was right up your alley. Oh, then. it is made for me as you know, but my admission of guilt is between the, the, co- the, the college experience every day doing vocal performance and the club experience every day listening to Skinny Puppy and Front 242. And, you know, like those are two worlds. This movie was designed for me. I had no fucking idea that Sarah Brightman was in this movie oh my God. until I sat down and watched it this time. And yeah, I should I, feel horrible. I, I shame on me and my, my pox on my house for not knowing. And I'm like, watching it and i guess i never saw the beginning where there were credits right like even this time like as i am like getting settled in to watch it while the movie is starting i missed some of the credits and i guess one of them was sarah brightman no there's no credits it goes right into the story with the comic book yeah yeah and it's it's it but it's saying like people that are in it like paris hilton's name is up there flashes up and comes down ogre's full ass name is flashes up and comes down he's canadian i had no idea um i was like german no canadian um and i guess i missed sarah brightman's name and then i'm watching it and they get to the part with with blind mag and she comes out and i'm like holy shit is that sarah brightman (laughs) how the fuck did they get sarah brightman in this movie of all movies like this hot topic wet dream of a movie Sarah Brightman's going to be in like the rating soprano in opera and music. Well, in keep this. in mind, she also did that song. I lost my heart to a starship trooper. I mean, so he's a nerd. Who I mean, to? she's married to, um, or was married. I don't know if still is married. Um, well, what's the name of what's, what's her husband's name? I, I need to look it up because she's it's married to somebody Lloyd really Weber, influential. No, no, she's um, she's married to somebody really influential. Um, let me look while we're while we're doing this. Um, she's married to Aunt, well, she was she was married to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, and she wasn't it, married to Andrew Graham Stewart. Yeah, she but she was married to Lloyd Webber until ninety. Yeah, so like it's it was wild to me that she was. That, that she was in this movie but it's also wild to me it, it, it's never never ceased to amaze me that paul sorvino has a voice oh he's got a great operatic yeah. voice wait wait till you hear him in hallelujah i mean he's amazing in hallelujah he plays like, he plays he plays god in hallelujah yeah. so yeah. yeah but i you know until this movie 
I didn't know that Paul Servino had a voice. You know, he's Paul mm. Servino. He's in every mobster movie ever created by mankind. <laughs> his, daughter sudden, won, his, his daughter won an Oscar. I mean, for, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, I mean, in this movie, he steps out from behind a giant desk and just lets rip. And you're like, holy shit, Paul Servino can really sing. All right. Also, Paris Hilton does a little bit of actual singing in this, and it's not horrible. And she does some actual acting also. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the the story behind Paris Hilton getting the role is interesting because they absolutely did not want Paris Hilton at all. So she like disguised herself and snuck in to the audition under a different name, under disguise. And by the time she got up to like the final auditions, they realized who it was. And they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but she nailed it. And they're like, you know what? she's perfect for amber so i mean the, I, I can't see anybody else i mean she 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 basically is amber i mean i mean it was, yeah. it was it was it was a great casting i mean all the casting is fantastic mm-hmm. ogre being in um you know being that particular character was great oh, all um, the multiple faces he kept wearing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and just his his ability, I don't know how much Skinny Puppy or, or even back when Ministry, but like his emotive, his, his, the way he emotes, his stage emotes are really, really big. And, and, and he was doing them in this movie. Mm-hmm. So like his hand gestures, his big moves, his body language. Like, oh, for it, that character, it needed that because yeah. he's so like effeminate yet not effeminate. But it's like we were discussing um, with the Shadowcast prior to this. Uh, he actually said that he noticed that the best people in shadow casts to play Pavi are bisexual women. Sure. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm with that. Um, Which makes sense. But also now the, because of this movie, the long friendship between, um, between Mosley and Ogre, <laughs> they are friend friends. They've done projects together. Oh yeah. Mosley's done spoken word for skinny puppy. Like they hang out. Like that is a wild ass friendship, if you ask me. And Mosley was having so much fun in this movie. You could tell he was just having an absolute blast in this role. It's like how 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 much is too much overacting? There is none in this movie. Just go for it. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie, like like Mosley's hit, hit the bit where he just keeps ripping open his shirt is so good. <laughs> God damn it! He this movie it, such it's machismo. Ex- I love it. It's like, yeah, showing his scars, just blah, blah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. The fragile um, masculinity with that character is absolutely oh, fucking awesome. I love oh my it. God, and and you know I spoke in part one, but I, they're going from not knowing much about Anthony Head, Tony Head's career. And then seeing him, the first introduction you get as an American to him really is Buffy, where he's playing <laughs> the buttoned up, you know, school librarian type. Um, and then seeing him in this and then going back and looking at the crazy shit he's done in England. It's just like, yeah, of course, of course, like he is so good and his voice is so good. Mm-hmm. Like and he can. The thing the the interesting thing about this movie is everything is slightly atonal. Nothing is in a major key. Everything is kind of minor. Mm. Everything is weird. Like I am curious and I didn't, I couldn't find it in my research. All of the music credits go to uh, 
grave robber and then one other guy who do have, have done the music for a shit ton of stuff yeah um but just listening to the music for it you know with with a with you know with a discerning ear how much was ogre involved in the music for this like oh, you know knows. even even if it's like just stand over the shoulder and be like, no, 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 let me do this, you know, like, cause a lot of it has very, very skinny puppy overtones to it, mm. but it, it's weird syncopation. It's hard to keep up with. It's hard to kind of nail that beat to sing. And, and Tony head just kills it. Like just, there isn't a, there isn't a moment where he looks even slightly uncomfortable with doing it. Like he's just in his, he's in his element in this thing. When he does it's such a great job playing multiple personalities in this yeah. thing. I mean, just, you know, the, the father figure and then the killer he became, you know, thanks to Roddy Largo. And I mean, it's just, it's a great, great performance from him. And yeah. I mean, you if you, if you are a Buffy fan, and then you'll watch this movie. You can't look at Buffy the same way no. ever again, um, especially when he says that I'll do anything to to I'll do anything to protect you. And I'm just like, well, yeah, well, tell that to Buffy. Right? Um, Why don't you yeah. put on the, the the weird Batman medical gear and go help Buffy then, man? <laughs> God, just leave her out to dry about a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, I love. But the 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 lore that they build and, and we should before we get into that, we should talk about Grave Robert because he's just you know, the, the Greek core is just great character. Yeah. Why don't we see more? I know we do shadow casts, right, for mm-hmm. Repo all the time. You, I mean, obviously, but we don't see a lot of cosplay for Repo. And I think that that is a miss. The I only think time to... I really see any character that I've I've seen outside of Shadowcast, yeah, of characters that I've seen done from Repo, has honestly been Blind Mag. That's it. I've yeah. not I've not I've I've barely seen Grave Robber. I've barely seen Amber or Roddy or any of the other characters. Or Repo, or you know, or the or Repo, the Repo man. man, yeah, which would be awesome to see, you know. It's I mean I mean not to diss on Blind Mag because Blind Mag is an awesome character especially the outfit she's wearing when she takes her life yeah uh, it's just an God that whole moment is just amazing um, but yeah I mean just the grave robber look itself is just so layered even though you don't get a backstory for the grave robber you get his history the minute you're introduced to him. Like I, he's he's he knows all he's known all he's seen all he's yep. survived all and just he makes the perfect narrative force for this film. Yeah. I mean, even when he's not in narrator mode and he's part of the action and how he's just in the whole narrative the entire time. It's just it's a, he's he's an amazing underground character. And yeah, yeah, he screams cosplay, screams it. Yeah, yeah. There's so much in this movie, uh, uh, Pavi. You know, you could do so many cosplays, and they just aren't done. And mm-hmm. I do step up, cosplay friends. Step up and, <laughs> and and let's see, let's see some some repo the genetic. It's popular enough, especially among convention crowds, that you would get the recognition that you want. Um, I do want to say this. This for for me, as, as I've already said, I spent 
probably more time at clubs than I did at home for about six years mm-hmm. of my life. There was a tectonic shift when this movie came out and became popular. Um, in that, like I said, like I think like that was telling Courtney, that uh, McGee's Alice baby doll goth, all yeah. of a sudden, it was out of nowhere. Like, it, it just all of a sudden, boom, it was just everybody. Everybody was wearing that. You could tell when it hit. It was just funny to watch. Like, what is going on here? They would start showing it at the club, and then people would just be running around in like the goth baby doll outfits. And I'm like, this is this is wild. All right. Well, this movie created a face mask chic. I mean, it, it amazes me that during this whole COVID thing that people were complaining about wearing the face masks because I was sitting there thinking I could tell who were fans of this goddamn movie back in the day because they were making their own face masks yep. with safety pins and stitches yep. and everything else. I mean, you could tell. Well, the people that didn't want to wear masks were not our people. Let's just be. That's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. Real. Yeah. It's you like know, I wish were... I had a couple of my old face masks from my Amber Does Dallas days when I was a, a, a member of the uh, audience that would go out because I was like, well, shit, this is a time to shine. But right. I threw all that shit away. <laughs> you know? Right. So. So, yeah, like I also want to say this about this movie. This movie came out in a time when this movie nails something that so many movies have tried to do and have failed. The only other one I can think of that actually nails it is 300. Um, and this movie is the polar opposite of 300. But they get there was that early to mid 2000s CG. Um, the best way I can describe it is Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yeah. Kind of like that. Everything was a wash. Everything. They tried to CG everything and it just didn't work in 99% of the shit they tried it on. It works in this. It totally and it works, works for this. because Yeah. Yeah. 300 and this are the only two I can think of where that shit actually well, worked. Oh, I mean, it's such a dystopian future setting for this film. Like I mentioned in part one that we're you know, not really too far away from, but it, it just, it fit because the city's become so industrialized and such a cesspool, except for this one little pocket, you know, it's basically, it's basically the hunger games. I mean, it's, you know, the, the pocket where the opera happens is the capital and everything yeah. else is the district. It's only more severe and lots of plastic surgery. Um, but yeah, I mean, it for it does work for this, and I think it's because of just how the film is not afraid to embrace its weirdness and its exaggerated tone. Had the film not embraced both of those, it probably would not work as well. The same with 300. See, 300, while it's an action film, it knew it was an over-the-top film. Sure. So you know, moments with that over-the-top CGI work too. Yeah, and and I think that that's something like Sky Captain tried to do everything CGI. I think there was a lot of CGI in this um, that you know was CGI set builds and things like that that worked mm-hmm. really well. Um, yeah, it, this movie this movie got it and and ran with it, and that's that's awesome. So you know, kudos to them for that. Um, I don't know what else. What else is there about this movie? I'm sure there's there's other. We obviously we want everyone in the world to watch this movie if they haven't, which is going to be shocking to me if they haven't. Um, I will say going back to doing cosplay, if I was to ever do cosplays blind mag, I would uh, actually buy a pair of those Johnny Depp Willy Wonka glasses and paint her eyes 
on the lenses and wear those to be blind mag's eyes <laughs> because of just how fucking I mean, I know that they're contacts, but they had to have used CGI to enhance those eyes because, mm-hmm. yeah, Sarah Brightman's got some big eyes, but damn, those <laughs> eyes are just like, damn, I'm right here, you know, throughout the whole film. And especially when it's doing the projections of her mom singing uh, yeah. to her and everything. I'm just like, oh, my God. And oh, the most random what the fuck moment in the movie, which is my personal favorite moment of the movie also is the I'm Only 17 musical number. Oh, you mean the one with Joan Jett in it? <laughs> yes. Fucking what? <laughs> Just comes out of <coughs> nowhere when she stands up to her father, and then all of a sudden it becomes like every emo girl's fantasy come true in the in the 2000s. And you know, her stuffed animals come to life, and the thing with her flashing the flashlight in the room and everything, and then suddenly here's fucking Joan Jett. Just Joan Jett in the corner. (laughs) And then the whole minute, the whole moment is shattered and gone. The minute she's like bitch slapped in the face. But I, I love that whole moment because it is such an uber emo girl moment. Yeah. It is the Avril Lavigne moment of this movie for sure. Yeah, and it's weird. I absolutely love it. It's weird how I, I want to say it's weird how young she is, but it's weird how she's the Spy Kids girl. Like yes. you're watching it, and you don't get a lot of that, you know. And then all of a sudden, you're like, and then once in a while, she would smile or her head would turn, and I'm like, okay, well, that kind of takes me out because she's the Spy Kids. Spy girl. Kids girl, yes. <laughs> Jesus. No. And the, then the, go ahead. The. The other moment that that cracks me up in this film is towards the beginning of the movie when the doctor's delivering the message to to Roddy that he's dying of cancer and he's approaching the desk with that look of fear in his face like I like my job I, I like my job I like my job that whole moment cracks me up because he's like approaching him with fear he delivers the news and then shot dead by one of the the winches with the guns right next to him. I'm like, that sets the tone right there for yeah. this family. There are a lot of those kind of moments over the top, like, like, especially like over the top musical opera moments, like um, the scene where um, you, you get your first, when you first realize, when you're first told that, um, that the repo man is the same, the, the, both of those characters are the same. Um mm-hmm. By the way, Tony Heads, I want his entire wardrobe from this thing <laughs> in my closet right now. But there's that musical scene where he is he is repossessing this guy's like spleen. He's just like pulling it out. That whole like the very reminiscent of um I'll be your dentist from Little Shop of Horrors, but Steve Martin. Oh, you mean the oh oh you mean Thankless Job? Yes. Oh. Oh my god, yes. Such a good number. He turns so him into the, the puppet top. after after he's done getting the spring. Uh-huh. He turns him into the puppet, yes. Oh, my God. So good. Just so good. I think it's safe to say we like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, we were going to. That's – this is this is one of those – those. it's like Rocky Horror. Like, it's like, you know, uh, you can't the, – the difference – well, I, the difference between this and Rocky Horror and most, quote-unquote, 
you know, cult films like um, like The Room is you you genuinely like this movie. Like yeah. you you in earnest enjoy the performances and enjoy what they did with because the other part of this that I don't think gets talked about enough because we talk about the wild moments and the the songs and the over the top acting is that there is a really really well built lore. Oh like, yeah. Like the plot of the movie is actually very good. Like it is, it is a solid, solid story. Of With a lot of twists and turns in it. Yeah. A better story than Rocky horror. Like a, like a, like a, a legitimately good story to this movie. Um, with, you know, you know, with the, the, the one family, the way it's built up, the, the blood diseases, the, you're right. The twists and the turns, um, there are, this has more, this has more, um, more twists in it than curve. Then mm-hmm. like, it is, it is a very good story. If, if you haven't seen it and if you have seen it, go back and watch it again and watch it for oh, the yeah. story. Not, you know, not for the crazy, you'll be impressed. It's an impressive movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a great layered story. It really is. And it takes, it takes, takes it in directions you don't expect. And it's just overall, it's just a great film. I mean, if there is a true, to me, if there's a true person to become our true movie to become the next Rocky Horror, it definitely was repo the genetic opera. So, yeah, I mean, nothing, not to take anything away from the room or anything like that, but repo is just, it's just, again, it's a lightning in the bottle phenomenon. And, I do, I, I'm curious to hear your reaction to Devil's Carnival and Hallelujah when you watch them <laughs> also because they're so damn good also, um, especially Devil's Carnival. Jesus Christ, there's some great songs in that thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely highly recommend. If you haven't if you haven't seen this movie, it is right now currently available for free on Tubi. So there you, you go. Can watch, you can watch it for free on Tubi. Um, worth checking out i will say though that if you're not a fan of high gore it does it is a high gore movie but at the same time the way that the high gore is treated in this film yeah it's treated like how everything else in this film is treated over the top cartoonish um i don't have a a huge limiter for i don't like like i won't watch we've been over this i will not watch terrifier Mm -hmm. or terrifier 2 Mm -hmm. um you know, I have I have issues with with gore for the sake of gore. I did not have any issues with this. Like, well, because it's, it's not so... gore for the sake of it's not gore for the sake of gore. It makes sense with the plot. I mean, you got a, well, re- it, a, a man does, who's but... repo- you got a man repossessing organs. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. A a it, it does have a reason to happen, but B it's just done in such a way when it, when when Tony Head just shoves his hand in some inside of somebody's body while singing a song, you're not. Yeah, it's it's nowhere close to reality. Like it is so far removed from anything that your mind could generate as a real thing. It's almost like it's almost like a cartoon at that point. You're so yeah. far removed from like the brutality of it that it's fine. I don't think anybody will have an issue unless you are unless you really really have issues with it. And plus, also you get to see Paris Hilton lose her face literally. You also so. get to see. They, so there is a scene in this thing. Where they use the same footage twice, or they shoot it so close together that it, it is the same. Like 
but it's split up. One happens in the first quarter of the movie. The, the next one happens probably in the last quarter of the movie. Um, but Paris Hilton's laying on like a chaise. <laughs> Dad's behind a desk. And her right titty is basically hanging out. Like Pretty there's much. nip there. There's nip there for sure. Like I was like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, Paris. <laughs> Somebody cover her up. <laughs> And I never noticed that before either. And I'm watching. I'm like, that's, oh, okay, I guess. We're just going to leave that in the film. There is one. She's just laying there like, you're welcome. There is one scene during Testify, which is a wild fucking song. I love Testify. Um, I love Testify. There is some frontal nudity in Testify. (laughs) Out of left field. Just so far out of left field. It's shocking where it comes from. But yes. Most what the fuck full frontal nudity moment but it works so yeah. well in the context of what's going on in that whole sequence. Just because I, it's so bizarre. It's so far out there. It's great. All right, gang. Well, again, I want to thank the crew from Amber does Dallas for appearing in the midway point on this show. And thank you for joining us as we celebrate the 15th anniversary of repo, the genetic opera. Tune in on our next episode coming out around Thanksgiving, where we're going to be talking about the most Thanksgivingness of movies, the 1981 film Roar, um, which I cannot wait to hear your reactions to based on how you guys reacted to it while watching it. There's um, a point in this movie where uh, Courtney and I, Courtney more than me, but Courtney and I are, are copious notes takers while we're watching these movies. There's a point where you just put it down and you're just like, there's <laughs> no point to take a notes anymore. <laughs> there's no point in trying to take notes for this because it's so far. It, we'll talk about it on the show. But yeah, oh, there's yeah. a point where I just put the notebook down. It was like, I guess I'm going to make it through this thing. I watched this. I watched <laughs> Roar and I'll say this on the podcast. I watched Roar the same way I watched that latest Hell House movie, which was kind of facing perpendicular to the TV <laughs> and watching it over my left shoulder. Like, because mm. <laughs> I know that nobody, we don't see anybody get seriously hurt, but you feel like somebody's going to, we'll talk oh, about yeah. it on the show. Jesus, this movie. <laughs> All right, gang, we will see you next time when we discuss Roar. Talk to y'all later.